Today on episode number 619 of the School of Podcast, and we've got some breaking news about Audio Boom, and I cracked the code on Harry Duran. This is a guy, I've listened to his podcast, and I'm like, why do I like his show? Why, oh, why? I couldn't figure it out, and then I finally did, and today we're going to do something we've never done on the School of Podcasting as I interview Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so very much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. Today, we're going to talk about shaping interviews, great interview questions. I help you tackle the technology, so if you're not sure what equipment to buy, I can help with that. I help you face your fears. I help you flatten the learning curve, and I help get you going in the right direction. My website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, will get you right in the right position, and then use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and sign up for either a yearly or monthly subscription. You can cancel at any time. In fact, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. And while there are more things than just launching your podcast at the School of Podcasting, you may feel, look, I'm good, Dave. Well, did you know you can actually earn money referring people to the School of Podcasting? And I want to say congratulations to Arnie Chapman over at thefootballhistorydude.com. He's the latest School of Podcasting affiliate. So, Arnie, thanks for coming on board. Now, today... I'm going to interview Harry Duran of podcastjunkies.com. Now, I've known Harry a long time, and it's kind of funny because about every few months we bump into each other at conferences, and Harry's one of the guys, Dr. Ryan Gray, Ken Blanchard, Mark Johansson, Natalie Jennings, all these people make me laugh. And so I've been listening to Podcast Junkies since it came out. I was one of his first guests when he first launched the show, and I've listened ever since. And I thought I was listening because, well, I learn a lot about people that I've already known. I've learned that Ray Ortega was a cop. I learned so much about Katie Kremitzos. And I thought maybe that was it. I like the show because he's interviewing my friends. And then I said, you know what? I just like his interviews. And so I had Harry come on and I interviewed him a couple months ago, but I wasn't ready to release it yet because I wanted to figure out why do I listen to Harry Duran? And then I listened to him interview somebody that I didn't know. And so I'm going to tell you what the secret of Harry Duran's interviews is right after this. I want to take a second to talk about a resource that I use. It's called podcastguest.com. And if you throw on a slash SOP on that, that they'll know that you came from me. What is podcastguest.com slash SOP? It's a great place that helps you find guests for your podcast for free. What if you want to be found? Well, they will feature your podcast to more than 4,000 users that are going to help you get found. How cool is that? And I went over to their website right now. I'm going to do this live. I do a logical weight loss podcast. So what if I was looking for health and fitness? So I click on that. 15 experts. One of them is Doug Salamone. He does uh, Become Limitless. He's uh, an expert in health and fitness and self-improvement. There's all sorts of cool people over here. Joshua Shea, uh, Jennifer McPherson, and you can go over and read their profiles and say, is this person good for me or not? What if I was doing uh, coaching? All right, I'm going to click on coaching. 16 more experts. And the list goes on and on. Super easy. And all you have to do is you go over, you'll see when you go to the homepage, you put in your name, your email, and click on sign me up. It's that easy. And you can be found as an expert, or you can make it super easy to find experts. Check it out, podcastguest.com slash SOP. 
One last point, it doesn't cost you a dime. That's podcastguest.com slash SOP. Thanks so much for being a sponsor of the School of Podcasting. All right, to reveal the secret of Harry Duran, I'm going to do something I've never done on the School of Podcasting, and that is, of course, the lightning round. the lightning round works i'm gonna play you a bunch of questions that harry asked on his podcast and you have to figure out what they have in common here we go so let's talk let's dive into the heart a little bit what's what's been so hard so far talk a little bit how you are about the the time you were introduced or how you connected with john lee dumas how did you end up in door-to-door sales i'm i'm curious why you think you were successful in door-to-door sales. You take pride in what you do, and I'm wondering uh, where that comes from. What's a relationship with a mentor that stands out for you? What's something that you've changed your mind about recently? Now, it's not rocket science here. And when I say this, you're going to go, well, duh. But he does it really well, and that is he he asks open-ended questions that lead to stories. He asked questions that leads to story. Let me give you an example. This was the first question he asked of an interview. If you had to sum up your podcasting experience in uh, one to, to three words so far, how would you describe it? And what Harry does here, which is great, he, does, he doesn't say things like, has it been crazy? Has it been fun? Has it been what? You know, he shuts up and he lets the person listen. And in this interview, there are times when Harry lets the, there's a, an uncomfortable silence as the person's actually answering the question. And here's the answer that the guest gave. Amazing, um, hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say, let's go for a third one here. Um, unexpected. So did Harry say, great, now tell us about your favorite book. No, he said this. So let's talk, let's dive into the heart a little bit. What's, what's been so hard so far? And so I wanted to find out what's going on in Harry's brain when he's doing an interview. Does he do a lot of prep? Does he not? How does he do his interviews? And the other thing is Harry talks very little about himself. So I wanted to know, how did he get to where he is? Here's my discussion with Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies at podcastjunkies.com. Yeah, so you've done 166 episodes. So Harry Durand from podcastjunkies.com. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Hey, man. It's always, I always jump at the chance to uh, talk with you as well, my friend. Let's get into just how do you pick your guests? What's the criteria? I think it's still, I need to have had some sort of a connection or, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number of cold interviews I had. And it's only because a press, you know, someone submitted um, the feedback form, you know, from a a publicity agency or something like that. And one of them was uh, the former CEO of Groupon, right? Andrew Mason. If they ask you, can Andrew come on your show? You're going to say, yes. You're not going to be like, no, we haven't hung out together. I haven't had a drink with him. But there, and then there were a couple of others, some, some folks from this, a guy from the CBC. I listened to his show. I was totally uh, blown away. And so when the quality is so high that you're just really curious about the the show, then, you know, naturally those people can come on anytime. But for the most part, because of the nature of the conversations that they're really just fun and relaxed and and candid. And I just try to, 
get behind like the, the the front layer of what we or what they hear what, what these listeners hear from these podcasters and just dig in and just it's my natural curiosity and, and those conversations are easier when you've had a drink with someone when you've spent a couple of days at a conference or you've met them and and that's why the majority of my guests come from just some sort of interaction i had or in the case of Susie Buttress, <laughs> scratching my own itch, I'm just naturally curious. I think, because I know if I'm naturally curious, I'm going to bring that enthusiasm into the interview. The interview you did with Gary Leland yeah. was amazing. I think you just wound him up and let him go. Do you do a lot of research on the person so you kind of know where to go? Or do you just, how much of this winging it and how much of it is planned? <laughs> I don't know if I would call it winging it, but I, I think it's more of being in the moment and really focused and realizing that I only get like really one chance to have this really in-depth conversation. As much as we always try to say we're going to hang out and, and at a conference and I'm like, oh, we'll catch up again. I don't know that I'll have a chance to have an hour long conversation with any of the people I've had on my show ever again, just because the nature of our family just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And can you think about like any time where you've been able to have an hour straight conversation at podcast movement? It's crazy. That's a good point. A lot of times we just get in our own own way, Dave. I mean, we just want to feel like we want to ask the smart question or, um, you know, get through our our predefined list of questions. And to be honest, I don't have a lot of predefined. I mean, if there's a couple of things that I've seen that I'm just really curious or dig into, because I know it's going to make for an interesting story, like asking Gary about like how he got started in wallpaper, like (laughs) stuff like that just sort of lends itself. But it's really focusing in and, and and maybe maybe it's part partly picking interesting people as well how do you know if somebody's interesting because i've seen you talk to people we've talked to some of the same people at different events and then i see them on your show i've learned more about it like i never knew ray ortega was a cop yeah. i didn't know gary leland used to water or uh surf, surf. All sorts of stuff yeah so are you hearing those stories at these events and go oh this this person's gonna work or how do you know if somebody's interesting I think you know if someone's generally interesting from just spending some time with them. And again, this just really comes back to finding people when they're letting their guard down. And as we all know, at podcasting conferences at the bar at like uh, midnight <laughs> is usually <laughs> when most people let their guard down, myself included. And and you just kind of people just show you like who they they really are. And and you know, there even some people that are that I would see as naturally like introverted, like Drew, for example. You know, I I know. He was the most recent episode. He's a super quiet, I would probably venture to say shy guy. And and a, a lot of podcasters that, that have come on my show have said that they're introverted. But I feel like some people more than others. And and it's just a function of seeing that he was interested enough to come on the show. Because if he said, if I asked him in person, he said, oh, I don't know, we'll see. Then you can already tell that you know, you're going to be pulling teeth when he comes on. But um, he expressed a genuine interest. And I think it's, it was just a, a function of you know, realizing that someone who starts a show like that has got to come from an interesting place. Are you taking notes while you're, or you're just simply solely listening? I do take a couple of notes, especially when they mention something that seems really interesting and it's like, oh, and then, yeah, I was on this canoe in the Amazon and then I started podcasting and I was like, wait a minute, canoe in the Amazon. I'm like, jot that down really quick. And then I, I think it's a, it is a bit of a skill because I, I don't interrupt them immediately because then I would, you kind of lose whatever they're talking about in the moment. So if Drew is talking about something, I let him finish his thought. And I was like, that's too good to pass up. And I may not always get to it, but I, I, I really want to tease that thread out. And sometimes at the expense of like where a conversation is going. So if we're talking podcasting, but he brings up like, I don't know why I use that example, but that he was in the jungles of the Amazon. That for me is actually more interesting. So 
I think it's a function of finding the things that are more interesting to you as the host, because those are conversations you're going to want to have. And those are topics you're going to want to have. If you, we can only talk about like uh, podcast downloads and RSS feeds and what's <laughs> going to happen with Google like for so long. And, and I think you'll notice and, you know, you'll probably be one of the best people to to comment on this, Dave, is at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know what percentage of the time I actually spent talking about podcasting. <laughs> Not much. And that's what that's what makes your show different is you're interviewing podcasters yeah. And you talk a little bit about your, their show yeah. and kind of how they got into that. And that's usually the, the crack in the door. It's like, like, why did you pick this topic? And yeah. then they'll go, well, I was born in such and such. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, you're born in a cornfield and you know, blah, blah. And then, then you're off to the races. So that's yeah. always kind of fun to watch that. Like, where is it going to go? I recently had on Rick Mulready and he's like a Facebook, you know, guy. He's been doing it for years. He's friends with Amy Porterfield. And it was only towards the end that we started talking about like how he used to have, or still has deals with like anxiety. And they literally came out in the in the last 10 minutes. And I was just like, okay, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. And, and we, we, we spent another, you know, maybe five or 10 minutes on there, but you only get that sometimes in these hour long conversations. And that's why, you know, you, you don't, you can't get, I don't think you can get deep and you can correct me if I'm wrong in a conversation that's less than, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah, it's kind of hard to just walk up to somebody and go, so, I hear your dad died. <laughs> it's not gonna, it usually doesn't work that way. Uh, you mentioned anxiety. Most of these people you know, are you nervous at all when you're interviewing them? I think uh, in the beginning I was, and there were a couple of times when because of the scheduling thing, I, I was I didn't I didn't dial in at the right time. Or I, I was like the, the most notable example was Brendan McDonald, who's Mark Marin's executive producer, you know, which is a big deal in the podcasting world. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get Mark Marin on. I'll put that out into the universe. Never know. But <laughs> having Brendan on was just as exciting. And um, you've heard the story. But for the listeners, I said I reached out again through Twitter. I said, would you like to be on the show? And he said, yes. And he said, I'm going to be a bit busy. And the reason he was going to be a bit busy is because Obama was coming to interview, uh, was going to be on Mark Maron's show. And I didn't know about that. And then I followed up a couple of weeks later and he said, yes. And we tried to do Skype. And I was like, where's Brendan? How come he's not on the call? He had sent me his, his Skype login and it was like 15 minutes had gone by. So I was totally flustered. I got on. He said, yeah, I, I can give you like another 45 minutes. And, but I was really like, the whole first five, 10 minutes, I just felt like I was fumbling my words. And I was like, oh man, I screwed up. I screwed up. I had this like, I really saw that at the time as one of my biggest interviews. But I think over time, and, and this is part of the reason why I sort of vet people, if you will, at a conference, because it's just, when we connect again, it's like, hey, what's up? That was fun. We had we had a, such a great time that night at, at the at PodFest or at Podcast Movement. And it's, you're just picking it up from there. You know, you're not picking it up cold. So I think at the end of the day, I, I'm trying to make create an, a comfortable environment for my guests. And to the extent that I can do that, I think that that's what allows them to open up. One of the hardest things to do when you're interviewing somebody is to figure out what the next question is going to be while you're listening. How do you do it? I think it's just a matter of like laser focused. I, this is why I love video. I, I, there's just something about like body language and just watching a person intently in a non-creepy kind of way, I guess. <laughs> Where I think too many times, Dave, you just like people are feign interest in a topic or feign interest in a guest and they just feel like they're going through the motions. I've I've been talking recently about this in a couple of talks that I've been given about this importance of treating your guest as an opportunity to enhance your network as opposed to a transaction. 
you know, just like, oh, got had Dave on, check, had Harry on, check, you know, had just keep checking boxes. And you may not have known when you first decided to come on my show. So, I'm, you know, I'm grateful at that point. You're like, who's this guy? Another podcast about podcasting. We'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> but, you know, I hopefully sort of made it a name for myself just by virtue of like doing things like getting the T-shirts out to my guests and taking the pictures and saying hi, you know, just tagging them wherever possible and just mention them wherever I could. And, and still to this day, like, you know, I, I heard you mention me on the most recent episode as well. So I was like, oh, I got to get that tweet out. <laughs> Do you do, how much editing do you do of your interviews? Not a lot. I, I, I was going to say, because it seems just like a pretty constant flow of info. I think it was your interview where I, I mixed in like Jerry Seinfeld uh, comedy bit. I mixed in some music. I don't know what I was thinking, but it was like, probably took me like uh, five or six hours to edit that episode. It was a lot of fun. And maybe later on, if I get, you know, bigger sponsors, I can just put some time into that and be like, I want to mix this, all this stuff and make it like a little NPR style. And it's fun to think that you can do that. But I think I, what was, if, if I thought that I had to do that every single week, I would just lose my mind. And, and now um, I've outsourced my editing and I, I give them very little instruction. I'm like, unless there was like some crazy, like Skype got cut off. And obviously, like, as we improve like technology, like you can usually get it in a straight shot. And uh, only if there was some, you know, the, the the biggest editing challenges have been recently with Skype, and I'm that's why I'm happy like to 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 give be given Squadcast a try because the Skype cutouts were just driving me crazy. Um, I recently had William Hung on, he of American Idol fame, nice. and uh, and of course he's dialing in from his headset on like um like on a telephone or something like that. I was like, ah, oh, this sounds horrible, and that, that's going to be an editing. I might have to do that one myself because it's like an editing nightmare, but. <laughs> I really think um, I, I'm probably conscious of it uh, when I'm having the interview that I'm like, oh, you know, this is how it's going. And I'm trying to keep the flow going. That's why I know a lot of podcasters say, oh, don't worry, we can edit that out. And I'm like, no, that's going to be more work. I'm like, if we can keep this going and keep this conversation. And it's interesting because it's a challenge, because if you think about it in the real world, you know, maybe if if you had a conversation with someone, you would be like, oh, like, that's not interesting. Or I'll go to the bar, I'll have a drink and I'll pick it up. And, it, you know, it could be a conversation that is maybe an hour's worth of content, but you have it over four hours in the course of an evening, right? But here, it's because we only have the hour, and I'm conscious of the time. I know that as I hit the 50-minute mark, I'm like, I got two questions I always ask at the end, like, what's you know, what's the most misunderstood thing about you, and what's something you changed your mind about recently? And I know those take about 10 minutes to answer. So now it's, it, I always know that if I want to get those in, barring some crazy story that I just don't want to interrupt, I want to make sure that we move into that, just to kind of bookend the interviews. Well, the other thing you do is you have a retention hashtag. And I'm always curious, do you get more responses on that or less responses than you expected? I get less responses. The fact that I get any is, okay. is great. So I got to give a shout out to Jesse Lawler uh, of Smart Drug Smarts. And he was one of my earliest, earliest guests. He's got a really great podcast and it's about like brain science and nootropics and all these brain supplements and he's delved into a whole bunch of topics around the brain but he had something called uh, the ruthless retention gimmick and he would say i'm going to tell you about this news story at the end of the show and it's this is they just discovered made this new discovery and but i'm not gonna tell you now and so and then he would just go into the contents of the episode i'm like oh my god that's genius and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak this and borrow it because, you know, every little thing counts. And I think there's two or three like hardcore super fans, Patrick from the Big Sands podcast and Quesi, uh, Quasi, Quasi Wabbit is his tag name. But uh, those are the two that come to mind because they're always like making a point to, to share something. And I think 
even if you only had one person doing it, it's nice to have something that your real, real, real super fans can like latch onto and and know that if they do that, like they qualify. Like Patrick told me when he came on that he listens, like he tries to be the first one to comment on on my episode. <laughs> and when he doesn't, he's like, oh man, someone got in before me. <laughs> do you have people that are inviting themselves on your show? I do. It's funny. Obviously, you know, you go to a podcast conference and you tell people you have a podcast that interviews podcasters. It's like, okay. <laughs> Every single person's be like, well, you should interview me. And I'm like, I don't know you. And what's your show about? And I don't know if your show is good. So let's give it a shot. And, you know, inevitably I take cards and I do hear shows and I'm like, oh, this is fun. I, I would love to have this person. And we've chatted for a while. So those lend themselves well. But as as we know, even just being a, a podcast host, we're getting the form feed letters or the, the ones that like, hey, insert blank name. And my my boss is like the master LinkedIn salesperson of the year. I think you should have him on your show. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, wh- which of the epi- which of my most recent episodes did you enjoy the most? <laughs> so, so I'm trying to get a form letter that's really as snarky as possible when it's clear that they haven't listened to the show. But I think that's. I guess that's growing pains or, or something you have to deal with. You, you'll know you've made it as a podcaster when you start getting the form letters, right? Oh, I love when they say, I love your show. Because for me, I'm like, which one? So that's always fun. Well, the other thing that you've been doing behind the scenes that I still, this is what I want to figure out. Like, how did you do this? Because you do not pimp any of your services, hardly at all, on your podcast. In fact, I, I think you finally mentioned them like one or two episodes ago. And you're like, well, I have this thing, blah, blah, blah. And you like, completely slid it under the rug. And I'm like, he actually mentioned his thing. So what is your podcasting uh, company? It's called Fullcast, fullcast fullcast.co. And it's interesting because in the beginning, a lot of it has to deal with imposter syndrome. Like I was entering the world of podcasting and I was like, I I mean, we know who's in the space and we know like folks like you, like Cliff, like Pat, like I've, I've just been having podcasting course, John, of course, John Lee Dumas. And and it's just like, I don't know that I have anything to add. And so I, I went a different route and I joined a high-end mastermind group. So this is like an expensive group, you know, $1,500 a month at the time. And I was in a, yeah, it was it was crazy. But there's one quote that I repeat ad nauseum and it's Jim Rohn's and it's, you are the sum of the five people you most associate yourself with. And I knew coming out of corporate America, you know, I had a decent six-figure salary. And I was like, you know what? I have to invest in myself. I was just doing the podcast, Podcast Junkies. And I'm like, these people, you know, I, I found this coach and I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know like what this world is, like this world of like online coaching. And it's interesting, Dave, because we had our podcasting friends and every time you would mention like online co- coach or mastermind, they'd all like throw up in their mouth. And, be like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, what is that silliness? But I was like, no, I think there's something to this and coming from corporate American and, and being in, in management and seeing the, the power of having like a, like a good trainer, a good mentor, a good coach. I was like, I got to learn this world. And so I sort of like was doing both and learning like what kind of, kind of offer I could make. And what I realized there, it's like, oh, these people like hang in like a different like orbit, like, and they realize they've gotten to where they, they, they've gotten to in their business because they realize how important it is to pay someone to do something that they're not an expert in. And that's how they grow their business. And some of these folks are making anywhere from ten to seventy thousand dollars a month. Like it's bananas. And they're like one-to-one coaching models. And so I immersed in myself in that world and I created an offer that was targeted at that type of audience, like a really premium, high ticket offer. And I said, you know, if I was like a podcaster where money wasn't an not that money wasn't an object, but I knew I'd I'd rather pay people to do the things that I'm not good at, what could I do for them? And I said, everything, right? 
It's got to be the artwork. It's got to be the editing. It's got to be the marketing. It's got to be the social media. It's got to be the downloads. It's got to be the iTunes reviews. Like I got to do it all for them because it was clear first couple of people that I was talking to, they're like, I don't know how to do artwork. I don't know how to do editing. And then my response was like, oh, you know what? You don't have to. That's not your genius. You know, that's the tagline that my coach, my coach uses. It's not your genius. Like there's four types of tasks. Those are competent at, those are incompetent at, those are excellent at, and your genius. And obviously the first two, you get them off your plate as soon as possible. And I always use the example of like the cleaning lady, like, yeah, I'll pay her a hundred bucks every two weeks, come clean my house. No problem. But the excellent tasks are the ones where we get stuck because we're like, oh, I can do HTML. I can do a little bit of audio editing. I can do a little bit of video editing. And then eight hours later, you're trying to fix a JPEG on your sidebar. And you're like, come on, man. It's just like, what's what's going on? It's like an open bracket thing. And you ask your web design guy and he fixes it in 15 minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, that's your genius. That's why, you, you know, you can charge 20 bucks an hour, 30 bucks an hour. And then that light bulb goes off and you're like, okay. There's things that I'm I, I'm really good at and, and that are fun, but I'm not going to do them in a way where I that's like my job, my business is dependent on it. And so, once I had that aha moment, I was like, well, that's how I need to position my service because if, if they're asking me how to edit and if they're asking me how to do artwork, then it's probably not the right person because I'm like, no, that's not the questions you should be asking me. You should like, how do I record a quality audio and how do I get the most out of my interview with my guest? Like, if you're a thought leader or someone who's got a business, an online business, those are the questions you should be asking. And then figure out who can who can help you and support you. So that's what's happened over time. Um, and I've done I've done live trainings, in person trainings. I've done, I've got a course now. And so I think I feel I'm feeling more comfortable sharing that. I, I do share it in my newsletters. I've got two new two new newsletters: one to Podcast Junkies and one to Fullcast. Um, but on the Podcast Junkies, when I'm starting to promote my services more, I, I think I'm just feeling comfortable doing it. I think before it was just a bit of imposter syndrome, but. I do feel like I have value to add. They are two different audiences because a lot of the podcast junkies audiences do it yourselfers, right? Right. And so, but the full casters are, I mean, I'm, I'm going after folks who have high six and seven figure businesses and now companies too. We just signed, we, we launched a podcast for the CMO of Dun & Bradstreet. Nice. And I just landed a new client last week. She's a former, uh, she's not a former, so there is no former. She says she's an Olympian, silver medalist from the 2008 uh, gymnastics team. It's still kind of a podcast recipe because we tell people figure out who your audience is and then make something that they want and that's basically what you did with your company you're like okay i want people who have enough money to pay people nicely to do this job they don't want to do editing they don't want to do artwork they don't want to do social media and i'll do it for them and you're banging it out of the park apparently which is awesome you said you did six figures in the corporate what the heck were you doing in the corporate world that you're making six figures you know what's funny about six figures is like when you're making six figures in corporate world, you're like, yes, I've made it. Like anytime you hit that six figure mark, um, I was la- when I last left, I was a director of program management. So it was these high end programs we'd create for affluent clients. I I started out working in financial services, although I never held a financial services position. <laughs> I started out in manufacturers handover as a as a teller, and then I uh, that became Chemical Bank which became Chase, which became J.P. Morgan Chase. And so I worked at that whole conglomerate for, I think, seven, eight years. And then I ended up working for E-Trade. And that was, again, in just launching. We would um, in, uh, install business intelligence programs. It was, com- it was a program called Business Objects. And so I became like, I was, I was really, an op- I was always in operations. And so I was working for all these finance companies. People were like, oh, you know, do you have like an MBA in finance? I'm like, no. <laughs> I haven't graduated college. Like I just literally like, but I was always like self-taught. Like I, I'm huge on productivity and operations. And so I would just document everything. So when I would go into a job, I remember once my, my boss said, uh, Oh, I've got a new position. 
it's a for a project manager. Have you ever done that before? I'm like, uh, no, but I could figure it out. I just went to the library, got three books on program on project management, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It's just like you use the software and you create like these charts and you just like harass people until they give you what you need. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, just as you get older, as you move in the ranks and you get different offers, we were in New York, and he said, look, there's a position in Atlanta. You want to go take it? If you do it for two years, we'll give you the director position. I was like, okay, and I did it. And you know, just you just gotta go where the jobs are sometimes and there's sometimes they're not in the city you want so that's how i ended up with a, a six-figure salary but what's interesting is that when you have it and you're getting a, a direct deposit in your account every every two weeks you're like this is great six figures as an entrepreneur not the same thing <laughs> no not at all because i'm like i don't I can't even tell you like what percentage is going in my pocket after i pay like all my people i pay the the service you know the, the team that supports me i met two vas in the philippines and in the beginning, I'm literally putting every dollar back into the business, you know, so you have to work harder as an entrepreneur, you know, to get to, to, to start at that six figures is nice, but then it's, it's definitely not the same because when you're, when you're just an employee, like all that money is going in your pocket. What was the motivation for those that are, are you know, thinking of, of someday I want to quit my day job. There's probably somebody out there going, man, if that was my day job, I wouldn't be quitting. I'd be, I'd be doing the iced tea and just keep doing it until they tell me to quit doing it. Yeah. It's hard to put your, uh, like, uh, like my finger on it, but it's, it's this feeling like there's more, there's more to like life and there's more to, I, I just was, I knew that I was just like working and I did what I needed to do. And then when I had a downtime, I was just, you know, on my lunch, I would just sit there reading the New York times and I just sit at my desk eating lunch for an hour. And it wasn't something, it wasn't like an all consuming thing. Like, like, oh, I need to figure out this problem. I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm getting paid well to do this job and I'm going to do it, but it's not something that I would come home and be like, oh, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? I've dabbled in entrepreneurial stuff and, you know, I talked about it a couple of times at the, at the, in talks that I've given and I think one that you heard as well. I was fascinated by the, the four-hour work week and I tried to do a natural travel kit of all things. This was like a travel kit that only had organic products in it. And I ordered like samples of like hemp travel. This is crazy. And I incorporated a company. <laughs> you know, you got to try a lot of things before you figure out what works but I still had the full-time job. And then the music played a lot, uh, an important part because I grew up DJing and I had, I've got the vinyl turntables behind me and we would go to conferences, we would go to music conferences and I'd see the DJs and I'm like, is that the DJ that I like that's playing? I can't tell. I, like I know his style of music, but I couldn't tell. So I was like, let's create a map, mobile app. So a friend of mine helped me, uh, invested some money in that. And then I went to NMX in 2014 to, to start a podcast. And I, I got there and I was like, it's going to be so hard to interview these DJs. Why don't I just interview these podcasters? <laughs> they seem to be a captive audience. And later on, would come to find out that's a smart idea if you want quality audio from your guests as well, because they've, <laughs> they've all got nice mics too. <laughs> I was always doing something else. Like I had the job and I would, I, I remember trying a promotions company with my friend years ago. I left in 1999. I, 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 I cashed out my 401k in 99 because I joined a dot-com startup. And I was like, this is my chance at dot-com millions. I went to go work for my brother in Atlanta as a general manager in construction. Like I've never done construction. He's like, you want to come down and do this? I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> I was like, you know, this was like a month after 9-11. It was crazy. I left New York and I was like, oh man, I, I felt it was bittersweet. I felt like I wanted to stay. And I go down there and like, I'm in like a couple of months, I've got the boots on. I've got my hard hat. I'm like, <laughs> I'm learning how to do takeoffs on blueprints and estimating like masonry for the outside of like a bank. And I was like, it was just wild ride but you know what to say about working with family like two years yeah. later i was like tail between my legs i was on a plane and i was back home to live with my parents at 34 so i was like uh oh was that probably the one that you went yeah this is a wrong turn 
Yeah, I mean, there were so many wrong turns and it's that there was something in me that said, try something else, try something else, try something else. You're obviously not happy, try something else. And and I ended up in, in podcasting of all things. And I didn't even know a podcast was was voice until like 2012 because I was like, it was for me as a DJ, a podcast was literally a 60 minute DJ mix. Like I didn't know anything about that people talked on podcasts. And then I started listening to a couple from a uh, website called Resident Advisor and they were interviewing DJs. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I, since I was doing the mobile app, I found mobile app podcast. And then that was the rabbit hole. And one of them mentioned Pat Flynn. And, and then I found that about the conference. What do you think are some of the more common mistakes that you see podcasters make? Well, it's interesting because in the beginning, you know, I have conversations with, with people who are just getting started and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, you know, the, what mic to use. I, I think in the beginning, it's always a toss up between just get good gear from day one. So, you, you know, we talk about the, ATR twenty one hundred ad nauseum, I'm sure here, and and the, the new Samson, well, not new, but Samson's Q two U as well. It's actually uh, a little less costly, and it's now it it has it's I don't know if you've seen it, it has a whole kit, it has an extension for the tripod because the problem with the ATR is that you would be like <laughs> bent over backwards, and and it's horrible. You're supposed to have your like diaphragm open and stuff. It was like I'd see all these people with like the the ATR, and they'd be all stooped over their laptop. And I'm like, so just something little like adding an extension to the tripod was genius. Um, and they've added the foam filter, so that's why I spoke to the Samsung guys at at uh, NAB, and they're looking to like you know realize that there's there's a market for that, especially since the ATR folks uh, don't pay attention to podcasters. But just so equipment, I really understand like who the show is going to be for. Don't try to get cute with these names. Like people get too fancy with like these podcasting names. I'm like, nobody searches for that term. Like, like I'm dealing with business folks too. So I'm like my, one of my earliest clients, she wants to start a podcast where she wants to interview angel investors. Those are people who usually help you with your first round of funding anywhere from 50 to 250 K. And there's a whole network of people that do that. And I said, is Angel Investing Podcast available? She said, yes. I was like, that's the name of your show. <laughs> Just like, don't overcomplicate it. Like, people are going to be searching for that term. And I think in the beginning, like, people like, uh, two sassy girls. I'm like, that's great. But it's like, no one's going to be searching for that term. And, and I, I really am just lately been doubling down on this idea of just Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever we're calling the software versus the the service. I get confused, but people are searching for terms, and those those come up. and And in Google searches, you see iTunes podcasts pop up every now and then too. So, I'm just really a big fan of people being clear about who it's for, and the more niche, the better. And then, like, be clear about the organization of your show. Like, if you're going to do a conversation, you know, know what you're going to talk about, make it an interesting conversation. Don't ramble. And have that that call to action at the end is so huge, especially for folks that want to build a business off it. Like, do tell them to do one thing and one thing only, because yeah. this idea of like, go to my Twitter, go to my Facebook, go to my LinkedIn. Like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Sorry, I'm so guilty of that. Eighty <laughs> percent of podcasts are consumed on mobile devices, so people are on the treadmill. People are, are like, are in traffic. They're walking a dog. They're making dinner. Like, they need to have something that's really easy. And and I know some some business owners, like they're coming from like the corporate training world and they have their whole course outlined. So I'm working with a client now and we've got a keyword for every episode and it's going to be a worksheet. And it's going to say, Hey, if you want to follow along to this teaching point in this 20, 25 minute podcast episode, if you want to get the most out of it, then download the free workbook. And of course the workbook is connected to an email system. So they capture and build up those emails. So it's really important. Just have that one call to action and, and be clear about what you want to say. Something Ideally, if it's something you can measure even better so that you know it's coming from the podcast, because then you know, like, oh, use use the coupon code podcast or, or whatever it is you know, if you're trying to sell a product. 
I think it's just we try to, as a podcaster, we think listeners have this like treasure trove of time that they're just sitting there waiting for your magical instructions on what to do next. Like, tell me, Harry, after I've listened and spent an hour with you listening to your show, what else would you like me to do for you? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I mean, the fact that anytime we get any piece of feedback or someone took an action, I mean, I'm still blown away by it. And I, that's why I literally I try to reply to every single social media comment that I come across, like, I'll, and I don't see myself stopping myself from doing that for a long, long time because I just don't take those listeners for granted. Do you circle back to your guests on a regular basis just to say howdy? I like to think that I do in a more um, consistent fashion, but because I go to conferences, I, I'm inevitably running into them and I'm like, I make it a point to say hi. I make it a point to like spend some time with them. I ran into Gary Leland, the podcast movement last year. And it was just interesting. Like I wanted to, I think in the past I've been guilty of just like doing that conferencing conversation when you're staring over the person's shoulder when you're like, Oh, look who's there. Or should I be talking to that guy? Or should I be talking to that person? And we, you know, three days seems like a lot, but when you've got to catch up with like, dozens of friends or maybe into the hundreds at this point now with you know with our with our network you just you just have to realize you're not going to be able to to say hi to everyone you know and you just so i was like so focused on that five to ten minutes i had with gary i was like you know i was just like not in a creepy way staring at his eyes but i was just like i I wanted to let him know that i was like interested in what he had to say and i thought that was an interesting observation that i made on my part i'm like you know i just need to do more of that even if, you know, as I grow the show, I've got more and more guests, but it's almost like this cheerleader from the sides. Like I now have this connection with these guests and I'm like, if they did do something and I, and I think it's fun, like, I don't know, I think every little bit of publicity helps people. And I, and I just come from that point of just keeping an open eye to seeing how I can help. And, and if they've got something coming up or a new show, I had Denny Crahey, who was one of my first guests back on. And cause he's, he's got a new book and he said, Hey, would you, I don't know if you do repeat guests a lot. I was like, dude, you were like guest, like single digit guests, like whatever you want, whenever you want, just come on. Like, I'm, I'm not, there's no hard and fast rules. Jordan Harbinger came back on, like he went through like a little shakeup with his show and I was just fascinated to talk to him again. So I think at this point it's a platform that I, that I'm using to scratch my own itch. And those hour long conversations I have with people are some of the most fun parts of my day. Well, as I look at the clock, we have 10 minutes. So, you know, the two questions that are coming your way, uh, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? Ooh, I I would have to say that I'm always happy. <laughs> okay, because a lot of my friends know me from the conferences, and you know they know they know me as like the happy-go-lucky shopping cart jumping <laughs> Harry Duran. Ask David, but ask Dave about that story sometime in a bar. He'll, he'll be more than happy to tell you. And but it's just like I think I use that as my outlet because you know when, when you're when you're an entrepreneur it's lonely sometimes. It's like so hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Like start this business was, has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. Hands down, like just the ups and the downs and the losing clients and the getting clients and the frustration of like meeting payroll and, and paying your people and invoicing people and not getting paid and looking at your bank account balance and just like, what can I pay this week? And just where do I go for clients? And I'm not trying hard enough to get new clients and late night editing sessions and just like all these different pieces is challenging and so i mean i know and and when we're out there no one wants to hear you like your 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 hard times but i think i I love the fact that sort of like my my podcasting tribe my these new friends that i've made over the past four years they they sort of bring out the best in me and so that's sort of my outlet (laughs) for for those times when i'm really like struggling and and really trying to get this thing off the ground and and 
it, it never stops. There's always new challenges and there are always different flavors of challenges. But I think, um, you know, most people <laughs> probably be surprised at how stressed out I get sometimes when they see me as, as the, the happy-go-lucky guy at, at the conferences. But I think that's important for me to have that balance. Uh, and of course, the other question is, uh, what's something you've recently changed your mind about? And for those who haven't listened to Podcast Junkies yet, these are the two questions that Harry always asks his guests. So I'm turning the tables on here. You would think I'd be more, more prepared for that. <laughs> I'm literally like one of my guests like, oh, that's interesting. Like uh, something I've changed my mind about. I think uh, handing off work sooner rather than later, like just trusting in people that can help you and really empowering them to you know, if, if if I have dreams of building this into a, a bigger company and like a half million dollar company or a million dollar company, like I'm not going to do it by myself. And uh, just leveraging, like when you find someone trusting in them that they can do the job in the beginning, they're not going to do it the way you, you would like it done. And they'll maybe get it 60% right. I remember in the beginning I had VAs in the Philippines and I would write something and they would do it wrong. And I learned early on, like, it's not their fault. It's my fault. I just didn't explain it. You know, it's, it wasn't, there was room for ambiguity. And so what I just learned over time is just like, be more patient with people, especially people that want to help you. And don't be afraid to ask for help. I think because there's a lot of people that uh, want to see you succeed. And I think if you, if there's a match in skill sets where they've got something that they do really well and you're in a position to help them, I think I just love this idea of the creating jobs. It's really interesting. You know, we, sometimes when you think about it, you know, we do it on a smaller scale. Anytime we have, we have a contractor work for us or even, you know, so we asked people on Fiverr to do something. You know, you'd be surprised sometimes, especially in the Philippines, how little it takes to support a family. And some of these, you know, to the the folks that are working with me, they're doing just that with with, with what I'm paying them. And that's really humbling to know that, like, I'm helping them support their family. Well, one of the the stories I heard you say at a conference because you've you've done a whole bunch of stuff at this point with your background. Uh, can you share the story of the waterfall? So. After that that Atlanta debacle, I, when I was back home, I had had the wherewithal to reconnect with a friend of mine that I had met in Amsterdam like two or three years ago. And I was in Atlanta. He's like, oh, you should come out for New Year's. And I was like, oh, okay. So I bought a ticket. And then, so I'm back home with my parents. And it's like, I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm going to Thailand for New Year's. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, but you have like no job. I'm like, yeah, but I got the ticket already. So I'm going to go. <laughs> so I go. It's a 26-hour flight. It's just kind of like a magical place because people get a give you a massage for like five bucks, and it's it's like something you would pay in the, in, the, in a spa like one hundred and fifty bucks for. And they come to the house and they do it, and you ride around scooters with like no shirt on. And so he's like, "Let's go up to this waterfall." So we go up to the waterfall, and we hike up, and we're like walking on this trail, and there's like this elephant like dung all over the place because I guess they, they they ride the elephants up there. So we're like meandering our way through through there <laughs> through those through those mines elephant mines and we get to the top and he's on a um this lookout point and he's looking out over like the, the cliff and it's just like a, like a magical view and he's like you got to come over here the view is amazing so i step into the stream there's like a there's just a little stream just innocent looking stream and i step into it and i i apparently step on the slipperiest rock you can imagine because i hit it with my feet and i i believe i was barefoot at the time and so both legs go up in the air like total like for a, Fred Flintstone moment, I land on my back and I proceed to be carried to the edge of the falls. And it all happened. This is seconds. This is all happening so fast. And you just have one of those life flashing moments. And I see the edge. I'm like laying on my back, but I can look ahead. And it's probably like 50 feet, the edge of the waterfall. And it's not Niagara Falls, but it, it, it would drop into like a steep 
bank of very, very sharp rocks. It wouldn't have been pleasant. And I probably wouldn't have died immediately. But like the fact they would have taken the helicopter, like, you know, it's eight hours to get there meant it would have been painful and slow. And out of the corner of my eye, I spot this boulder and I literally instinctively like stick my, my, uh, as I do it now and kick over my trash can, I <laughs> I stick out my foot and I hit, I, I brace myself on the rock and I stop myself from going forward. And uh, my, my friend is like staring at me. He's just like pale faced. He was just like, it was just so fast. Like he, he tells me later, like he was there. He's like, I didn't know whether it's just like to jump on top of you and just like stop you from moving. But it was, you know, he must have seen me like kind of like just heading towards the edge of the falls. Like I was actually moving towards him, but towards, towards the edge of the fall. So, you know, he's finally like picks me up off the, the, out of the, out of the, the, the stream. And I'm like shaking like the whole time. Yeah. And it was, uh, the way I tell the story is it's like, you know, you don't realize the, the like message of things, you know, in the moment. Cause you're just like, Oh, the, you know, you're just happy to be alive. <laughs> and so like, it's only when I got back to New York and I, I talked about all those people that I would listen to like early on, like my dad and my brother and the, the guy who convinced me to start the dot com. And I was like, I had this like sort of like aha moment. I was like, man, I don't want to die, you know, with this voice inside of me. Cause I realized for all my adult life, I'd been listening to others while ignoring my own. And in that moment, I was like, I do have a voice like, you know, inside me. And, and you sort of piece it all, all together. Like, man, it would have been a shame. Like if I had a story to tell and I didn't tell it. And, you know, that was like, that was the way I went out. And, and so I've just weaved that all together in, into my talk now. And just to tell people like, I, I'm on a mission now to help everyone. I believe everyone has a, has a message that needs to be heard by their intended audience, you know, whether you realize it or not, like everyone who's listening to this podcast right now has a message. And my, my goal now has been to empower thought leaders of the world, podcasters to decide like, like today's the day, like you're not going to let that voice die inside of you. And, and I just think it's important. And I have this new, this new mantra, this new, they, they call it a, a big audacious, hairy goal, the BHAG is uh, to empower a, a million people to find their voice. And, nice. obvi- and obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I am think I'm going to be able to connect with a million people, but if you find people who have like platforms, you know, people like yourself and people, you know, speaking from stage, you can kind of amplify that you can exponentially. And so, you know, I'm always on, on the lookout for opportunities to, to get that message out there, to get the message out into the peop- hands of people with platforms. And I, I think I'll do it. Well, if you want to check out Harry's company, again, that's fullcast.co. And if you want to check out uh, Podcast Junkies, it's very creative. It's podcastjunkies.com. So, Mr. Duran, thank you so much, man, for your time. I deeply appreciate it. It's great talking to you. Yeah, hour flies by when you're having fun with friends. So a couple things that I loved about this discussion with Harry. Number one is I love when he says the way that some podcasters go about getting guests. It's like, look, I'm just looking for somebody to go check. Here's Wednesday. Harry's looking for somebody. Who can I build a relationship with? I love the fact that he is hyper-focused when he's listening to people. He actually says no to some people. He doesn't let just anybody on his show. And the other thing that is different is, as Harry said, he doesn't edit. And we heard in his in the clips I played, he doesn't edit. But for him, knowing that he's not going to edit, he then makes sure to only ask questions that count. That's interesting. For me, I'm like, I love that attitude. I would still edit. I'm always a fan of editing. I'm not a person that's perfect. And that's the cool thing about podcasting. You can do whatever you want. There are no rules, but do not let your voice, your message die with you. You can get your message out 
into the world. I love that story about the waterfall. And the other thing that Harry does kind of like I did right there is Harry knows many times stories that he's going to ask people. He's not going in blind. He's like, look, this is why I'm bringing this person on. And here's a story. And if you listen to him, he'll say, can you just share that story? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to ask a question and uh, I hope it's the right answer. He knows the answer. He doesn't do gotcha interviews. He's not going to go deep and hard. He's about finding what makes people tick. So I like Harry's show. It's a podcast about podcasting that isn't anything like any other podcast. Like he said, there's not a lot of discussion of RSS feeds over there. So check it out over at podcastjunkies.com. Before we head out the door, a couple of quick items. Number one, there was an article on insideradio.com basically saying that the podcast media host, Audio Boom, is having some serious financial issues. They actually were in a business deal to acquire Triton Digital, and that has been called off. And in the article, it states, in announcing the withdrawal from that deal, Audio Boom said it only has enough working capital to continue operations for four weeks. So if you're on Audio Boom, it's time to get off that sinking boat. I recommend Libsyn. It's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Use the coupon code SOP free to get a free month. And the cool thing is normally there's an import fee when you import into Libsyn for all your back episodes. They are waiving that if you're coming from Audio Boom or SoundCloud. Now, in full disclosure, I'm an employee of Libsyn, but in full disclosure, I was an I was a customer of Libsyn for 10 years. So I always tell people, I don't say Libsyn is the best because I work for them. I say because Libsyn is the best, I do work for them. That's why I chose to work for them. So I wanted to let you know about that. Also, I want to bring up that you got to get them in quick because next week is our episode that you and I create together. And that is where we have the question of the month. And this month we have kind of two. So depending on where you're at with your particular show, I want to make sure uh, that you can answer it. And I need these by uh, May 25th. 2018. Number one, are you planning on starting a show soon? Let's say this year. If so, what is it? And then the other one is, if you've had a sponsor on your show, how did you get it? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? Or did it come from your media host? And man, I've got some data that I cannot wait to share with you next week about dynamic ad insertion. Oofa. Wait till you hear that, but go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. There are multiple ways you can leave your, your question there. You can call it in. You can email me, Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Please, in the subject line, put May question of the month so I don't lose it. And again, I need those by May 25th. Thank you so much for listening. And as I said earlier, I love that story from Harry. Do not let the story inside you go unheard. I would love to work with you. There are multiple ways we can do this. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. You can sign up for the School of Podcasting. You can work with me one-on-one. You can have a podcast review. There are multiple ways. One website, all you have to remember, schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. There are quick start programs. There are mentoring programs. There's a ton of it, but you only have to remember one website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. I will see you next week with your answer from the question of the month. Also, just a reminder, don't forget to mention your podcast. That's my way of saying thank you. Be sure to mention, hey, I do the 
you know, uh, Tom and Steve show where we talk about pop culture. Find us at Tom and Steve show podcast.com slash whatever. And uh, that way, give yourself a little plug. That's always in there with the question of the month. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really do look forward to helping you and working with you and get that message out into the world. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Until then, class is dismissed. You might be saying, hey, there, what, what, what's the heck with the shopping cart story that Harry alluded to? So it's my birthday at PodFest in Orlando last year. And I'm there with Master Cauldron from Cauldron Script. I'm there with Dr. Ryan Gray from MedicalSchoolHQ.net. I'm there with Jen Briney from Congressional Dish. I'm there with Natalie Jennings, the world's greatest photographer, and Harry Durand, Podcast Junkies, and a bunch of other people. And because it was my birthday, I'd had an adult beverage. Uh, I think I had a beer and I, I rarely ever drink. And so then Natalie gave me a glass of wine. And so I'm like, okay. And we were out of um, uh, adult beverages, shall we say. So we walk over to a Walgreens and Harry and I, we're all singing along. We're having a good time. And there's a shopping cart there. And Harry looks at me and goes, I'm going to jump over. I'm going to leap over that shopping cart. And, Now, normally that's not a horrible idea if you're in great shape, but the horrible idea was on the other side of the shopping cart was a car. So I pictured the worst case scenario If Harry misses. He's going to catapult the shopping cart into a really nice car. And I'm like, Harry, that's a really bad idea. Let me let me move the shopping cart so that if you miss, you're not going to take out somebody's car, yada, yada. And as I'm saying, this is a bad idea, Harry. He runs and literally just catapults over a shopping cart didn't touch it didn't it was great it was amazing but uh for a second that could have been really really ugly